Okay, we are in Sefer Malachim Aleph, Perik Gimel, Pasuk Aleph, by Yishatein Shlomo Esparo Melech Mitzrayim. And I must say that this contains Pasuk Aleph, one of the most strangest, bizarre, inexplicable incidents in Tanakh. And without being overly melodramatic, in the incident described in Pasuk Aleph contains nothing less than the seeds of the destruction of both temples, the ruin of Shlomo's dynasty, the destruction and destroying of the unity of B'nai Yisrael. So, with that in mind, let's see what occurs here. First, Notice the Pasuk immediately preceding it that closes Perak Bays. The kingdom was established in the hands of Shlomo. Foreign enemies have been destroyed. Domestic enemies have been eliminated. He rules by the unanimous consent of all the tribes. The people are totally in awe of him. The Kaddish Baruch Hu, as we see, considers him an especially beloved uh, student and follower of his. And now, suddenly, by Yishatein, Shlomo as Paro Melech Mitzrayim, he becomes a son-in-law to the king of Egypt. By Yikach as Basparo, he takes Basparo. Vaviel al Ir David, he brings her to Yerushalayim. Ad Kaloso Livnos Espeso until he completes a house for her. Espes Hashem in the house of the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Beschomas Yerushalayim Soviv and build the walls around Yerushalayim. So, question is, what was Shlomo thinking of here? What was the incentive to marry the daughter of Pharaoh? Two, is there any halachic basis that permits this? Three, if there isn't, and apparently it might look like there isn't, how does he seemingly get away with it in the sense that there is no disparate over criticism. And the next Pasuk, Pasuk Gimel, Tupsukim, Bayev Shlomo es Hashem, Shlomo loves the Kodesh Baruch Hu, Leleches Bechukoso, David Aviv, he follows all the Chukos and the Mitzvos, and we're going to see even in the uh, middle of the parak, Kodesh Baruch Hu appears to him in a dream and just tells him how much he loves him, and pick anything you want, I will grant you. What is going on here? So the first thing we got to understand, what was Shlomo's endgame in this? And then the fortune tells us that now everyone senses that the days of B'nai Israel being a loose confederacy of 12 Shratim that are loyalty to either a Nubi or a Shofik are over. They are now a solid military power, economic power, influential power throughout the whole known world, as it were. And Shlomo realizes this. And what he wants to do is cement alliances. He wants to build a series of treaties. No nation is more powerful than Egypt. They surpass the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Amalekites, um, the Philistines. 
so that it would be a natural choice. It's buttressed by the fact that the Mephorshim points out that in the over 400 years since the Exodus, they've lived at a relative peace, Egypt and Israel. There have been no warfares as such, and so they are a logical choice for Shlomo to start to cement an alliance. And you did an alliance, as they do in the Middle Ages, maybe even today, you cement these kind of foreign alliances by marriages. You marry the head of state's daughter, you marry the king's daughter, and that's what Shlomo was proceeding on. Now, the second question, can he in fact do this? What gives him the idea, halakhically, that he can do it? And what makes the answers so complicated here is that we've seen this before, the concept of dueling midrashim and mefarshim. Everyone that says A, there's someone that says no, it's B. So we start with a pasuk in Devarim, Chaf Gimel Pasuk Ches, Lo Sasaiv Edomi, you shall not hate the Edomite, Ki Ochicha, who is your brother, he is a descendant of Esau. Lo Sasaiv Mitzri, and you shall not hate the Mitzri, Ki Ger Ha'isa You were a sojourner in his land. Remember, they took Yaakov in, they took the Shratim in, they fed them through famine, and even through over 210 years or so, they were your hosts, be it good hosts or bad hosts. So that you start, you don't hate them. But then there's a puzzle in Dvarim's Perak Zion puzzle Gimel, below Taschisubom Bitecha, you shall not intermarry with them. Uh, your sons shall not be married to their daughters. Your daughters shall not be married to their sons. And near the Mephoshim say, wait, this applies to the Canaanites. It does not necessarily apply to the Egyptians. So it is a loophole. But then we have an Esur in Chavgimel. Pasuktes, that when an Egyptian would convert, he would have to wait three generations, Doro, before he is admitted to the um, Kahal Yisrael. In other words, if they convert, yes, you can marry them, but they must wait three generations before their children will be admitted as a full-fledged Kahal Yisrael. Yet, there is a loophole there that some say the three generations start with the Exodus. It doesn't start now in perpetuity. And to contradict that, there is a Gemara in Yavamos. Let me just read it to you. Amar uh, Yehuda Miyamin, that's a name, Ger Mitzrihaya, there was an Egyptian convert named Minyamin, who was my chavrusa, he is saying, Rabbi Yehuda. He was my chavrusa in the yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva. But Omar, he would say, Ani Mitzri Rishon, Benosasi Mitzri's Rishon. I am a first generation Egyptian convert. I married a first generation Egyptian convert. Now, I will marry my son to a second generation Egyptian convert. So in order, so that my grandson 
will be able to become a full-fledged Jew in the Kehillah of B'nai Israel. So we see from this that it's not three generations from Egypt. It's in perpetuity. So what are they saying? It's three generations. It is forever. You have that halacha. And there is the traditional Moavi Moaviyah distinction. In other words, how do we justify Ruth being a convert and coming into Kehal Yisrael? Because it, when they say you cannot marry a Moavi or a Moavi Amoni lo Yavobakal Hashem, it means a Moavi male, not a Moaviyah. Why? Because supposedly when they came out of Mitzrayim, B'nai Israel needed water and food, and these guys would not give it to them, would not even sell it to them, would not let them traverse the land. But that was the men that did it. The women did not do this, so the women get a pass, as it were, as we say, Moaviyah or Moaviyah. But that did not apply to Egypt, because Chazal tells us that the Egyptian women were as complicit in the slavery of the Jews as the men were, so that would not apply to them. So, where are we in this? Um, and do we see that there is any clear opposition to what Shlomo did? You get the first hint of it in the first Rashi in Malachim, where Rashi says, when it says, by Yishatein, etc., Rashi says um, that he would never do this in the days when Doa, of when um, Shimi Ben Gera was alive. Because remember, he was his Rebbe. He would not let him marry her. So we see there was opposition. We get from this that a man should always live in the same proximity as his Rebbe, because the Rebbe keeps you from, in fact, trouble. So, we've got this part where there is a um, condemnation. Let's just, we're going to learn this later, maybe in two weeks, Pasuk Yud Aleph in Malachim itself. Pasuk, a parak aleph, pasuk aleph, and it makes it seemingly very clear, and let me read it to you. Bahamelech Shlomo ahav nashim nachriot. He liked Gentile women. It says it. Nachim rabos. Vespas paro. He took the daughter of the Pharaoh, Moabiot, Moabite women, Ammonite women, Edomite women, Sidonite women, and women of the Chiti tribe. Uh, These are the exact nations of Kaddish Baruch who says they are not to marry you, you are not to marry them. Why? Because it will turn your heart away from the Lord your God, which is we're going to see, it certainly does. Shlomo clung to them with love. As a footnote, the next passage, he had 700 wives and 300 pilachim, and they turned his heart away from the Kaddish Baruch So we see already there are tremendous problems. Now let's go to Shabbos.
Mesechet Shabbos, Perik Chamishi, but it's Nun Vav Amud Beis. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Shmuel. Bishash and Nosa Shlomo is Mas Paro. At the time Shlomo married Paro's daughter, he chnisano elef minei zemer. She brought to him as a wedding gift a thousand musical instruments. But Umra lo, and she would show him each one kach osin la avodah zorah plonit, but kach osin la avodah zorah plonit. In other words, uh, this symbol is for such and such an avodah zorah. This flute is used for the avodah zorah of this one, and this is how we did it. He didn't protest. He didn't say a word. There's a metric that goes even further that says that this was on their wedding night and the next day was supposed to be the opening or the groundbreaking of the base Hamikdash and he overslept. He did the carbon tummy four hours later. So it shows you that there is almost a unanimity of opinion of the um, of what Sean did. Now, continuing that Gemara, Omar Rabbi Yehuda, Omar Shmuel, Bishash and Nasa Shlomo is Basparo. When he marries Basparo at that very hour, what happens is Yorad Gabriel Venoats Konabayam. The angel Gabriel comes down to earth and thrusts a pole of reed, a reed pole into the sea. We assume they're talking about the Mediterranean, but Allah brought and a sandbank forms around the reed, but Allah and from that sandbank grows outward the city of Rome, the eventual destruction of B'nai Israel, the Golas that we are still in today. Why Gabriel? Because Gabriel is the angel charged with the destruction of the base Hamikdash. One more scary measure from Seder Olam was that the wedding feast was the same night as the dedic- not the, the groundbreaking of the base Hamikdash. And B'nai Israel seemed far more at home and enjoying the wedding feast than the temple opening. At that moment, Kodesh Baruch Hu decides, I am going to destroy, in fact, both temples. So we see that it's a terrible thing. Right now we are puzzled as to why, um, in fact, there is no reprimand immediately there. Let's leave the last word on this to the Navi Nehemiah, very later Navi, who we hopefully will get to. But in Perak Yud Gimel, Pasuk Hapei, he says, I have cursed those nations. I will kill those people. And I have sworn by the Kaddish Baruch If you do that, you will be all end up uh, dead. Uh, Misa is the punishment. Halo al Ele Chata Shlomo Melech Yisrael Uvagoyim Harabi and didn't Shlomo the Navi sin with this and moreover as Nehemiah Lohaya Melech Kamo. There was no king like him. But he was beloved of the Kaddish Baruch Hu Hayah. 
Gam oso hechtio hanoshim hanochrios. So notwithstanding all that, the Nushim Nochrios, in fact, um, led him completely astray. So therefore, we see that it was a terrible, terrible avla, and that notwithstanding, as we say, because the Kaddish Baruch appears to him very shortly, telling him how much he is beloved, and we will see that he is going to be promised Anything he wishes in the world will be granted to him. Adkan, 8.45 a.m. tomorrow.